Count me Ready. down, Matt. Count me. Okay. Three, two, one, go. No, you don't say the No, no, the you kind of do two. Three, two. Ten. Yeah, then you Nine, <laughs> eight. Okay, you started that a five, little early. Four, two. Welcome go. to Curious. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Hello, everyone. We're a back. Podcast for all you curious people. A, cur- a, po- a podcast for all, for all human beings. Wow. Is there intro and plants music to this and animals? So intro music. Oh, there, there, there is oh, there intro were... music. Okay. Yeah, yeah. This is you're kind of getting that the raw version, later. and then there's an edited version. Do I get to pick my walk-up song before? I get <laughs> <laughs> sure. Dun, dun, yeah. <laughs> All right. Who are we? Who are oh, we? Oh, uh, I'm Sam. That's good. I'm Matt. I'm Aaron. And, and uh, we have a guest today. His guest name today. is. <laughs> it's Brad Swope. All right. Great, Doctor Brad Swope. Or as I like to be called, Doctor BS. Doctor BS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's good. That's the perfect guest for a podcast like this. <laughs> should, should we tell our, our listeners who Brad Swope, Doctor BS? Well, is? well, well, yeah. Let's introduce him later. I mean, he has incredible credentials. I think we should list them. Now. Well, I'm not even sure of his. I know he's got lots of them. I don't even know if I could name them entirely. So, Brad, introduce your introduce thyself. Uh, well, I'm a, a church planning pastor. Uh, I teach as an adjunct professor at William Jessup University. I did just finish my doctorate from Talbot. I got excellent evangelical pedigree. I went to <laughs> Whedon and Biola. Oh, that is an excellent pedigree. Uh, so I got street cred with the evangelicals, even though I don't even call myself that anymore. So uh, mm. that's who I am. Mm. We'll have to have you back on to talk about that. But. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into it today with Dr. BS, but that's <laughs> later. First, let's do a little bit of, uh, we actually have some listener feedback today, which we love. We love the listener feedback. So Matt? Yeah, we put out a call. This was probably a few episodes ago now for Beefs from Beyond, and we heard <laughs> from our friend. And our feed just like <laughs> filled uh, up with nope, beefs. That's really not true. That did, did this not come happen, in the mail or did this come did, electronically? This was over Facebook. So oh. our friend Stevie Swim. Oh, Stevie Swim's uh, back. Yeah, we're going to stick with that, his uh, iTunes nickname, because I love it so much. Stevie Swim said, here's a, and he adopted the new, the new uh, moniker, Bananas from Beyond. Okay. This is what he said. My 14-month-old is in daycare, and without fail, every time someone gets sick in his class, my wife and I get sick. And to make it even more bananas <laughs> is we always are down for the count longer than he is. It drives me... Bananas. bananas that my son gets us sick and then we stay sicker longer yeah i mean i'm with stevie swim on this although i have no children and i have not experienced this personally i imagine that that would drive you bananas yes my wife was a long teacher a teacher for a long time it's like it took several years of being sick constantly to sort of build there is an immunity that builds up eventually oh, would but, you get sick from her yeah yeah on a scale yeah. of one to ten, how bananas would that drive you when you got sick because she was sick? It's pretty. It's pretty infuriating. It's pretty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty livid. It's it's not just bananas. It's it's be, it goes full into beef. <laughs> oh wow! This is a good beef from Beyond. I yeah. think. Yeah. No, well, thank you, Stevie Swim.
All right, we're going to do a little segment here called My Two Cents. Where we all put in two random topics, and then we're going to pass the bucket around, pull one out, and then this person, whoever pulls out whatever piece of paper, has to give their two cents on that item. And we're going to start with Matt. Matt's shaking the bucket. Get mine. And remember, it has to be short and succinct, Matt. Yep, 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 yep. All right, here we go. Ice cap is melting two times faster than 2012. Whoa. Wow. That's more like a statement. No, well, I have to give my two cents on it. Uh, my two cents is it's something like 97% of scientists agree that global warming is occurring and uh, that we should care about it. It's a hot take. That's a that's a See, good statistic there. Like, was that real? You had one fact. That's a real. That's a real statistic. Fact. I actually just listened to a podcast about and climate so change yesterday. That, that it is canned tuna. Good idea. Yes, it's a great idea. It's convenient. Uh, it's easy to package. It's easy to store. What's wrong with canned tuna? What about the dolphins? They're uh, dolphin free now. Or dolphin safe. Was there really dolphin meat in them? Are they for a while? <laughs> Was there, was there dolphin meat and canned oh, yeah. tuna for a while? It was a thing. Wow. Do you remember here. this? Yeah, you have to stamp it now. As you can still look at a can of tuna and you'll see the dolphin, dolphin with an X through it. They were, yeah. they were trapping dolphins. Oh in gosh. Gosh. Well, yeah. they would just get caught in the nets. And... Yes, gotta, that's a big world out there. You, sh- you should investigate it. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of live in this little room here. Tuna. I remember when you had to, like, there was a choice. Like, you could buy dolphin free or not dolphin free. <laughs> I think it's a little that's bit more. Terrible. Wow, that was, I yeah, never that's knew this. Like, you have to they actually so have yes. a symbol on the can that says, like, yeah. eat like, canned tuna, don't eat dolphins. That oh, was my, my right. two cents. Uh-huh. Here we go. The World Cup. I can only assume this is uh, soccer, or as the rest of the world calls it, football. Football. Um, I, don't, I don't really care. That's, <laughs> that's kind of my take. But I really love that there's lots of people who care. Wow, that, like basically thing. the whole world, man. Yeah, yeah. If there was a World Cricket Cup, would you be more interested in that? <laughs> I'd be, yeah, I'd be more interested in that. What if Australia there was a, is in the World Cup? What actually, if there was so a World Super Bowl tournament? World Super Bowl? Aaron might care about that. <laughs> I would care about that. But uh, it's great. I mean, obviously FIFA is ridiculously corrupt, so there's that side of things. But yeah. I don't think they're corrupt. Wow, really? <clears throat> okay, that's yeah. a whole other podcast. I think they're too. very yeah, just. Uh, this one here is called vacuuming. Actually, there's a great pleasure to be had in vacuuming. Uh, it's just very satisfying. It's uh, it makes it makes things look better. It's even it, more satisfying if you have the see-through canister. So yes, see. that yeah. is the best part. That's yeah. true. You can see what you capture. The only thing to think about is like the electricity you're using is probably from a coal, a, a plant that burns coal. <laughs> So while you're cleaning your carpet, you're also the destroying workers, the earth. The workers there probably eat not dolphin-free tuna. <laughs> yeah. So. so just think about that next time you're cleaning, <laughs> cleaning your house, is that dolphins. you're destroying the world. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, something stuck in someone's teeth, do you tell them or not? This is an interesting uh, moral dilemma. Oh, wow. Uh, I just had it the other day. I met with a leader from my church, and she had something black in her Ooh. teeth. And you didn't. And I didn't tell her. Why didn't you tell her? I don't know. I, I feel like, feel awkward. I feel like yeah, you're not saying anything. There's just it's, it's kind of a no harm, no foul. Like you don't like they're not going to be the if problem. Self conscious later, then they can work. The problem that is if some the next person they meet tells them, then they think I had it the last meeting. Why didn't he tell me? And no, then they get, get mad at you. Right and then, then you can yeah. just easily it's lie and deny. Oh, I did. I didn't it's a notice. risk. I didn't. Yeah, notice. I did notice. Can I, I didn't notice say, that huge black thing on your tooth. Just avoid poppy seed muffins. That's all I would say to you. 
So. Mm. Maybe I would just add to that. Um, should we be talking about the speck of black in your brother's teeth, or you should be looking at the plank of black in your own teeth? <laughs> oh yeah. Aaron actually wears a mouth guard everywhere he goes, so his upper his upper teeth just are all black. Goes with the hospital mask. <laughs> Let he who has nothing in their teeth cast the first stone. <laughs> hollow boned birds. <laughs> Aren't they all hollow? More power to them. I hope they're all dolphin free. Uh, Actually, this is interesting. They're not all. There is one species of bird that is not hollow boned. There's just one. Just one, I think. <laughs> it's probably flightless. No, it's it probably fly, the ostrich. It looks awkward. It looks awkward. Is it the um, ostrich? I, I can't. Or it's remember a dolphin. It. Isn't I can't it? remember the species. Wait, I mean, uh, I mean, sorry. Bird. <laughs> a penguin. I mean, a penguin. Penguins don't. Are they birds? I think they are. Okay, so let's uh, let's have a conversation with our special guest, Brad Swope, Doctor Brad Swope, and uh, I thought to intro maybe Brad, you just got finished doing a big project, uh, a Doctor of Ministry project, which is Demon for short, and uh, it took you a long time. Tell us about your theme, your topic. What were you exploring in your work? Uh, we were. I was exploring. Uh, particularly in our tribe, the evangelicals, what I consider to be a fairly significant blind spot, which is while the rest of the culture considers us fairly prudish when it comes to sexual things and, and we're very aware of sexual content, uh, violent content seems to be swallowed quite easily by Christians. In fact, Christians consume more violent content by, um Evangelicals do than liberals do, uh, which is really interesting to me. Um, we are mass consumers of the culture, and we're mass consumers of violent content as Christians. And really, I, I don't really hear anyone ever talking about it. And um, I was at a coffee shop one day and heard two baristas that I knew to be pastoral interns at a local church talking about their weekend and how they had gone to this MMA fight and how they love the the fight and the blood and the violence of it all. And I found it curious that, that here was a topic and they didn't think twice about the fact that they could consume such a product as pastors without thinking about the moral implications of it. So it started me on a, uh, you have to define your own project, it started me on a kind of a two-year quest to kind of research it and understand it better and uh, understand why we seem to be particularly prone to it as evangelicals. And is this something you were interested in for a long time? Or like when you were searching for a topic, it's like no, you I kind mean, of stumbled upon this and realized, whoa, there's a lot here. I think I was fascinated by it. It was a growing fascination. But I mean, I, I can't say that... Um, like I played college football. I enjoyed the violence of the college. I'm, I'm playing the sport. I, I didn't have any particular qualms about seeing any action movies per se, but there was something nagging at the soul that, for a long time, probably because for me, um, uh, one of the people that kind of helped save and or reframe my faith was Dallas Willard and the way he helps me think about um, the Sermon on the Mount and how largely the church dis kind of dismisses it as being for today and he made me take it seriously, and so over the last 20 years, it's become my text. It's the thing that kind of feeds my ethical imagination. Mm. And he, 
that required me to take a look at lots of areas of my life, and this area was one of mm. them. So you actually, like, you explored in your project really three areas, right? Like, you looked at three. So one of them was, like, video games. Yep. And then what were the other two? Well, um, I broke it down to those three topics. We typically, movies and uh, television, the violence in, in our entertainment, uh, video games, and um, uh, MMA, so uh, violent sport. Okay. Uh, interestingly, they're all different. They all kind of work differently. Hmm. Um, they all tap into something different in terms of brain chemistry, what, what attracts hmm. us. Uh, I actually tried to go into it fairly objectively to try to figure out the science behind it, what's happening at the, at the brain level. Um, the one thing that I found was interesting is that our brains are hardwired to pay attention to both sex and violence. It has survival value for us. It's, it's, you can't choose... T- to not so this is the reason why at a middle school two kids fighting big crowd Charles fight 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 right yeah. the the idea is 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 you're you're fascinated by it um, you're attracted to it you're drawn to it that's natural there's nothing that it's part of what it means to be human so that impulse is not wrong per se it's mm. it's what we do with mm. that impulse let me just ask the you know since you finished your project you've been probably like speaking about this topic in various i mean you were here like in the fall at granite springs church yeah doing a seminar on this topic and i'm just wondering as you've gone around to probably different churches universities maybe different places what's been the response like are people kind of like do people not take you seriously are they kind of like oh that's a nice topic Uh, but uh, i'm not gonna change my habits really or do people actually even disagree with you uh, i'll answer it in two ways first of all when i when my my advisor for my project was a guy named uh, J.P. Moreland, and he said, when I read your project, it was excellent. I thought it was well-researched, well-argued, and when I read it, I felt both guilty and shamed. He said, your problem, if you're going to have a wider audience, is you're going to have to figure out how to talk about this to a guy that largely doesn't like his job. He's trying to finish the week, and on a Friday night, he just wants to have a beer with a couple of his buds and watch a fight. How are you going to talk to that guy? And what I find is, is when I, when I get into it with somebody and I kind of explain the topic, almost everyone's interested by it. But typically, it's not something that guys per se want to pursue very deeply because um, there's almost a conception of what it is to be a man in certain parts of culture mm-hmm. that you're supposed to embrace violence. And so... Um, and also, I find that also people equate it almost instantly with pacifism, which it really has nothing to do with pacifism per se. We're not talking about police or military or defend, self-defense. We're just talking about violence as entertainment. Mm-hmm. So when I get people to, to, to think with me, almost everybody feels like this is worthy of thinking about. But I do find that most people won't naturally think that they want to pursue it. Mm-hmm. So... When I when I talk about my college classes, um, I do get s- some pushback. Usually, the pushback I get is the folks who are engaged in uh, martial arts as a sport, mm. which I have no real issue with. Um, I tell people all the time, uh, I think you should do it if it's health for you or balance or whatever you want to do. Great, let's just not have people watch. Mm. Um, so, I mean, wh- why? Uh, and yeah, we can get into that a little bit more yeah. because I, I did research quite a bit about what's happening at the brain level with concussive events. And um, it's pretty troubling to figure out how we can be morally ambivalent about 
uh, somebody who has brain bruising that releases certain proteins that will invariably lead to real trauma that uh, that can be very disturbing when you see it in an athlete that retires just 10 years after their sport, mm. right? 45 mm. years old, you see these things happening. Mm. So, mm. Brad, so we've, that's a really helpful introduction, I think, to the topic and to the conversation. Maybe even to just guess a little bit further, are there one or two or maybe more conclusions that you came to at the end of your project? So you kind of engaged in all this. So someone comes to you, for example, and maybe says, I want to have a conversation with you. Do you have advice for me? What are your conclusions out of your project? I love... Uh, all, let's say all three of these things. I love uh, watching fighting. I love uh, playing violent video games. And I love violent movies. All at the same time. All at the same. Yeah, simultaneously. No. And they say, "What's like? What's your take on this in light of your research? And do you have any advice for me?" Yeah. So each uh, you have to treat each separately. You can't. There's no big brush that okay. says you shouldn't participate in all of them. I kind of. This is kind of my approach to my class and my church is typically we are entertained without really thinking about the content of our entertainment. Mm -hmm. And f for me, I just want to just, I actually don't want to live your life for you. I'm quite happy for you to live your own life. I just want you to step back and see what you're taking in. You evaluate it on your own according to your own biblical convictions, the kinds of things that form the soul, the imagination. If I do anything to help you step back and just see what's going in, as you were referring to, you went to see a movie recently and I was in your head a little bit. So at some at some point, if I can get people just to reflect on what they're putting in, I think that's a victory. I don't need to... I, I, I started my... When I did this for the students at Jessup, I said, I'm not a book burner. We're not going to have a kumbaya afterwards and you bring your well-used copy of Call of Duty afterwards and we burn it and we <laughs> feel cathartic, right? We shoot it. <laughs> right. The idea gun. is I want you to think more deeply about what you're being entertained by, why you're being in what attracts you and whether it's good for you, how it forms the soul, how it forms the imagination, how it forms the heart. So we could kind of, I could draw some conclusions for each area, but I, I couldn't just give you one sure. for all of them. Do you want to poke a little more about one or... Why don't we uh, Why don't we do violent um, entertainment? So, in the sense of video, uh, movies and television, yeah. because I think that's probably a more a more universal one that people are experiencing. It also seems to be the most um, sort of passive one, right? Like that's it's one that just kind of hits you without you really to try, really having to try. Like I, I have to go out of my way a little bit to catch an MMA fight, and I have to decide to sit down with a violent video game. Yeah, but I feel like even in like. Um, advertisement, right? It, it can seep into areas. Yeah. It, we're exposed to it without us trying at all. Yeah, I mean, I, first of all, we are a violent, saturated culture. I, I mean, we, this is not a show on politics, but most politics is is based on violence. You do violence with your words to your opponent, right? We, as Americans, love violence. It's It's weaved into almost really almost everything. You can catch it in the, the themes of it in commercials, and it, it's, it's almost impossible to avoid. So when we think about movies and television, I, I like to talk about um, good storytelling, right? Um, so like, if violence is really intrinsic to telling a, a story, then, then we're not, that's not what we're trying to, to get at, right? Um, we're trying to get at that violence that's just titillating for its own sake. Um, 
that that you're just literally being entertained by what is what is fantasy violence, right? So like I often tell people, I want you to recall those times in your life where you experience violence yourself. Are they good memories? Mm. And invariably, it's almost always related to trauma. Mm. Uh, unless you were that rare person who was good at fighting and you won fights, that's another narrative, kind of the false narrative of being, right, where you get identification yeah. from that. But most of us avoid violence like the plague, yet we're quite happy to voyeuristically consume it. So what's happening then? What does it do to our assumptions about the world, about what's normative in the world? So like if you were to hold up kind of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount against what you're watching, are they really in conflict? And so if you're just saying, this is entertaining me, it's building an imagination for something like what's good, what's real, what's right, what's normal, right? Mm -hmm. So like somebody was just telling me about the the movie I have not seen called The the Revenant, which is a movie about oh. um, mm-hmm. violence. And he's doing a, his master's on cinematography and theological themes. And he talks about in this one movie, there's just one scene where this guy who's, I guess he's pursuing this quest to get revenge. He, he encounters a Native American and he asks him this question, you know, aren't you bent on revenge? And it, he says something like, if you if you pursue revenge, you lose your soul, or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. And he just dismisses. He goes on with his quest, and the last scene is him encountering the person he seeks revenge, and he chooses not to shoot him. And the last scene of the movie is light coming through the the um, the clouds. So the whole movie is filled with violence, but really the story is about. If you're thinking about it, it's working out. Is violence really an answer to anything? Mm-hmm. So in that kind of thing, you would say, okay. We, we had to use violence to tell a story that, that was pursuing something deep about what it is to be human or the pain. You know, you know so, so we don't need to whitewash and say, let's get rid of all violence, but let's pursue really good stories and let's think about the stories they're telling and the values behind it and the ethics. And then does it, is it in conflict with my own conscience or, or is it in some way I, I can understand it? You could even do it as a way of understanding the culture at large, but without embracing it yourself. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. So I'd rather us be more critical consumers um, of our entertainment than really just saying, don't go see movies or television, uh, watch television anymore with any violent content. That really doesn't do anything for me. It, I'd rather us just be a little bit more critical. So tell me more about, I'm going to press you a little bit here. Why does that not do anything for you? Another, so one of the things I'm thinking about is, um, and you you know some of the science here, but there seems to be it's possible to tell stories in sort of certainly non-visual medium. That uh, it seems to me like a visual medium of a movie or a TV is going to form us in certain ways that maybe reading a novel or a story might not. I don't I don't have sort of reams of science to back me up here or anything like that. But there's something about sitting and sort of receiving and you're, you're either leaving the theater entire, like it's, it's not something you can put down easily, certainly in a theater context or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you say if it's necessary to tell the story, but could these stories be told in other ways that aren't, that are going to form the imagination in maybe less damaging ways? Well, I do think like if you watch a movie with that, that kind of lens, you do see the kind of choices that directors make. Mm. Um, to get a response from their audience. Like, I don't think we all have to be 
you know, movie editors to realize that they're hooks, right? And they have to use certain things. So, like, you think about a movie like Jack Reacher. Um, That's that, a good movie. <laughs> that whole I've thing is, um, is, is in some ways about justice. So, like, he's giving justice to those people who don't. That theme's fine and mm-hmm. worthy of it. But how, really, how, how do, do they need as much violence as they, they have to, right. to communicate the theme? No, they put the violence in there because it, that's what attracts people. They're not really thinking about the theme of justice, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, you could, you could tell a story without any of the violence, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Instead, you know, the, the cotton go to jail, they're not beat up for... for but that's not what that's not the hook that gets the crowd into pay the the very exorbitant movie fee to right sure. pay the salary of the director and the actors and all the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So the system's built on getting us hooked into this kind of stuff. Sure. And I would also say too, it triggered a thought. It does really form us in terms of our assumptions about the real world. Um, it's it's not a benign activity. Um, I think it deadens us as well to real life violence. I, I think it it um I think it makes you watch the news differently. Mm-hmm. Um so I do think it has real costs uh to, to just being a passive receiver of violent content that, that's taken without question. I think it changes the way you see the world. Mm-hmm. So. Brad, I like how um you <clears throat> you referenced earlier that like you were in my head just recently. Yeah. And um, it's because I went to go see a movie called Deadpool 2. And uh, just kidding. <laughs> I'm feeling judgment right now in this room. Um, but I, I was kind of cautious about seeing it in the first place because I did see the first Deadpool and it was hyper violent. Yeah. And uh, right, there, are, there are those movies that, like, not, not only is violence, like, there are parts of violence to hook you in, but this hooks you in just because. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's like hyper violent. And, and, and it's, it's, it was it's even more. Com- it's comic violence, too. Yeah. Right? It, it makes well, you want to laugh at Well, violence. it's under a guise of comic, but it's also still there. It's right there yeah. still. But the interesting is so there's a couple things. One is um, so I'm in the theater and there's people next to me sincerely laughing at people getting killed yeah yeah like hit by buses or like blow heads blown off yeah and people are laughing and if you stop for a moment you think what's what's so funny about that yeah. so like if i if i interviewed them afterwards they're coming out of the theater and they said wow that was really good that was really funny uh, and i asked them so describe like what was funny about that right what was humorous about about that i don't know if they could really articulate yeah. what was so funny about someone getting violently killed um but the other thing too is so so that's one it's just it's a bizarre experience to kind of wake up in the midst of watching a violent movie and you just start paying attention in the movie theater to like what's going on around you we're all sitting here being entertained and laughing at violence and that's interesting thing but then this idea too is like um to wake up myself and to realize why am i here like what What's my? Am I being entertained? Why is violence entertaining? Why am I relaxing watching this violence? And yeah. what does that say about me? What does that say about our culture? Because it's very—it's like the waters we swim in, yeah. right? Like America, you said, is a violent place. It's like we don't even realize how saturated our culture is with violence. And so, well, I'll give you another image really quick uh, from your childhood. You remember Raiders of the Lost Ark 
and he's caught in the courtyard, and a guy gets out a sword, and he's yeah, he just yeah. takes out his gun, shoots him. Yeah. You remember the audience just laughs, mm-hmm. just laughs yeah. when the guy gets shot in the chest. Yeah, and you just you just took it in. You didn't question it. You didn't think about it. You didn't wonder about it, right? And I'll just also connect the dots to you. You think about how violent social media is, and the kind of violence we do to each other. Like we're absorbing in that that it doesn't really do any harm to people. Because you, you see it in the movies, mm. but mm-hmm. there's another person, there's a real person on the end of that social media. So when you absorb the value system, you just think it's normative, and now you do violence in social media. Well, now you think about the kids that, the self-image issues and the suicide issues, and right? Because we've somehow been deadened to the fact that we're really doing violence to one another, mm. verbally, in this mm, case. Yeah. So it's, mm. it is worth really thinking about. Mm, yeah. I think I think movie makers, just going back to movies for a second, are especially skilled at sort of wrapping violence in something in a context that makes the whole thing more palatable. Not only palatable, but even amusing. Um, and that, like Indiana Jones scene, is yeah. Who doesn't Who doesn't remember that? Like, because the heroes, the hero wins the day, but it's just yeah. It's it's uh, sort of seems overboard when you when you look back on it. Uh, I wonder. Yeah. Thinking about all this and storytelling and these sorts of elements, I wonder what you think about kind of this thesis that, and sometimes I think about this, that there's something about violence that is like fundamentally like lacking creativity. Like I kind of think there's an analogy almost like, um, you know, in like stand-up comedy when comedians will talk about like cursing, right? Where like some comedians will say like, that's essentially like a shortcut to the laugh because like you're doing like a little shock, right? You're giving them a little shock and then like their response is, Either they're going to be appalled or they're going to laugh. And in that context, what you do is laugh. It seems like using violence in these ways, and in fact, violence in its very nature is sort of, it, it sort of demonstrates a lack of creativity. So is there a more creative way to do that scene in a way that is genuinely comedic? I don't know what it is. What are those questions that we never ask because we, we sort of have these sort of neural shortcuts that both uh, are ingrained in us societally and then also that sort of creative people know, oh, this is this is the way to do this scene, such because brains are wired in this way. What do you guys think about that? Well, it's definitely we uh, we talk about it quite a bit as low hanging fruit. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. easy pickings, right? You just it's the simplest way. Um, but I don't know if you you know you follow a person pursuing the Sermon on the Mount. That's not a very good movie. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, getting <laughs> this is the I, I just, this superhero is so meek. Yeah. It's great, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but part of me wants to say that should be the best movie, right? Yeah. And well, so, how much of that is uh, not a reflection on the quality of the movie and a reflection on our what you were saying earlier, ethical imagination, right? Where to us, there's just nothing compelling about someone turning the other cheek. Yeah. But man, if that person gets hit and then they like just sucker punch the other person, <laughs> that's compelling, you know. Well, well you so- talked about sorry, you just you did talk about this a little bit earlier when we were. Um, there are parts of movies that have like violence is sort of integral to the story, and then there's and then there could be other scenes where it's like, did we really need that to go 120 percent, you know, or could you know, there, this is our toned down version of that. I don't know that just I can see where there's there's violence that tells a story and then there's violence that uh, just sort of extraordinary. Well, I mean, when you start doing character formation with your kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I've had lots of talks with my kids about um, it's it's not the strong person that's violent and does gets angry really quickly. It's the strong person who knows how to restrain his own anger and figure out different ways. That takes unbelievable strength mm. and conviction and deep. I mean, it, commitment at a deep level. Anybody can get angry, and really anybody can get violent. It's the strong person, and again, it's it's a little bit of judgment on our t- political. Uh, society as well. Anybody can do that. Anybody can call your your opponent all kinds of vile names. It's a strong guy. Can you win the Can you win the election and not do that? Right. So it's like, um, so it seems like the culture is going going that that way, mm. and it's like we're going to have to swim really hard mm. against the stream. And it takes conversations like this to say, let's start st- at least trying to swim a little bit against the stream. Right. Uh, let's try to figure out a way, and because we're supposed to be an alternative. To the culture, yeah. we're supposed to offer something different, and if the culture's all going this way and we look just the same, I'm not sure we're offering really anything different. So, this conversation may be uncomfortable, and we may have to stop seeing some movies that we went to before. But well, not you, boo, Brad, <laughs> boo. But the reality of it is, is is what is a set apart, sanctified, yeah. alternative community supposed to look like? Yeah. If they look just like the culture, then I'm not sure what we're offering them. I mean, it's really interesting, right, for me to think about, uh, like, Mennonite and Amish cultures in light of this conversation, right? And so here are communities that, for sort of faith, ethical reasons, have, like, they are radically distinct from culture. And in some sense, that's because they're trying to say certain things about, right, values. And we might say, oh, that's too extreme. But then when it comes to this, I do wonder, you know, you're talking about the direction of the culture. Does it take... A, such a radical swimming upstream for us to even be noticeable, you know? I mean, is it, you know, saying like, well, some violence is okay. We all know our tendencies, right? Some violence being okay, do we... That then quickly becomes like, well, this movie's probably okay too, and this movie, and this movie. And suddenly there's actually very little distinct... Maybe there's a couple a couple of movies that are out of bounds, but is that swimming upstream enough? Well, so I'll, I'll give you a... You can help me with a moral dilemma I have. No, I can't. Yeah, so, <laughs> I'll help you, Brad. Uh, my conclusions really have caused me to reconsider watching my favorite sport, which is NFL football. Mm-hmm. My son and all his buddies um, are all into it. And one of the ways that I enter his world as a dad is to play fantasy football with him, his buddies, and their dads. Um, so, as an alternative community, yeah. do I participate in fantasy football in a sport that largely I think is uh, going to be shown to be utterly destructive to the human brain and we watched it for our entertainment? Um, or do I say, as a Christian, son, I can't participate in fantasy football with you, my neighbors who invite me over to their house to do the draft, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then we, he and I connect the whole season as we compete and watch. Right. So... It's it's an honest question that I'm even asking this year. Like, what mm-hmm. does it really mean to walk out that conviction? Mm. I actually don't have an answer yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually any moral dilemma you are you're weighing two different moral claims. Right. Both are claiming to be the better one: mm-hmm. connecting with my son and my neighbors, or taking a stance against something that I think is violent against the human person. I have to decide which which is the stronger claim on my soul in mm. some ways. Wait, maybe we don't have to. Well, maybe we just leave that question. Uh, to our listeners, 
<laughs> like, well, you know, I think that there's a version of that question that we're asking ourselves all the time, like, like as as Christians, right? Yeah. If we're if we're concerned about violence, if we're concerned about how we're being formed spiritually, mm-hmm. if we're thinking that at all, we have to ask that question every day. Because it seems like, I mean, maybe I'll I'll take a swing at trying to answer that in the sense of like. Was swing a violent term? It was pretty violent. Wow, yeah. Sam, tone it down. <laughs> Get a little creative with your language. Uh, I'd like to take a dig at. No, uh, <laughs> I'd like uh, to take a, a brutal quarterback crack. sack. At I'd like to take a crack. Is that? <laughs> um, the idea here is connection. So I wonder if, in some sense, if if you said to your son, "I really want to connect with you," like that's a huge value of mine, and I love you, but I I, I can't connect in that way with you. Mm. And I'm not judging you, but I'm just saying. And I'm not preventing you from yep. doing it. Or... But I would love to connect with you in another way. Can we yeah. find another way to like connect? I don't know. Well, at, at another level of this, too, is it's really one of the only ways that I'm with my neighbors right. in it's their lives. broader community. In their homes, right, for the draft. So I'm like, there's an evangelistic thing like, uh, do I have to speak their language at some level? Hmm. Or does the Mennonite not have a chance to evangelize because they're so... Isolated. Well, Brad, we're so grateful that you joined us for this conversation. As we're talking, there's obviously a number of tensions, there's a number of questions, and we really only got to talk about movies and television and violence in that form of entertainment. So our listeners will be happy we trust that Brad's agreed to come back uh, and we'll do a part two at some point to talk about some of these other areas, video games, MMA, some of the, the implications of those kind of entertainment mediums for our ethical imaginations on violence. But Brad, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Yeah, thanks, pleasure. Well, again, just thanks to Brad for joining us today and we look forward to another discussion with him. I'm Sam. I'm Matt. I'm Aaron. I'm Brad. Thanks for being curious with us. If you want to send us or leave us feedback, you can do so on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash curiouschurch, or email us at curiouschurch at grantsprings.org. And if you want to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store, we always appreciate that too. Hey, this is Sam. I've written some books and uh, a little bit of curriculum stuff. You can just find it on amazon.com. Just search for my name, Sam Gutierrez. Hi, this is Aaron. I've written several songs based on the Psalms, as well as a hymns album that you can find on my website, which is haveaseatmusic.com, or at the usual places you find music like Spotify or iTunes. Much of it is free, I think, so please listen and enjoy. Thanks. If you want to find links to Sam's books or Aaron's music or Matt's blog, you can find that in the show notes for this episode.